Amen. Thank you, choir. Uh, there are some songs that that uh, you say amen to and you clap and all that, and there's some songs you just soak in, and I think that's one of those songs you just let the Lord speak to you as you hear that. Now, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11? Hebrews chapter 11 is the faith chapter, one of the favorite chapters in all of God's Word. There's some there's so many good chapters, and to pick out your favorite is sometimes a hard thing to do. Uh, last week, I had a couple standing in front of me in uh, Camden Presbyterian Church, and I read to them 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, which was really not meant for couples. It was more meant for church, but it's a love chapter that serves right for couples as they begin their life together and keep that intensity throughout their lives. Uh, the 23rd Psalm is always a good psalm. And whenever I go to see somebody who has just had a loss in their family, one of the psalms that I reach to is the 23rd Psalm. But Hebrews chapter 11 is that faith chapter. It's the only place that you find faith defined. Um, it can become an abstract principle. Uh, but it's given concrete examples. And that's what the writer of Hebrews and we don't know who the writer of Hebrews uh, is or was. He um, probably was uh, a man who cared so much for his congregation that he saw what was happening in their lives and he didn't want them going in that kind of direction and he cared enough to write this letter to them. It's not really a letter. It's more of a bunch of sermons or a bunch of sermons. That's what I call mine, a bunch of sermons. But anyway... It's a group of sermons that are gathered together and put in a long piece to encourage somebody to come back who has kind of drifted away. And the reason it's Hebrews is because it's written to Jewish Christians. And they've had a good religion. Uh, Judaism is a great religion, but there's something better. And even better is Jesus Christ. And he's God's final revelation. There is no other revelation as far as a way to salvation that God is going to give us. But he is so concerned about these folks. He doesn't want to let them go. And so he writes these sermons to bring them back. Uh, I read about a couple in the nursing home who had lost their spouses. And they, they really kind of met for breakfast. And there was this kind of chemistry going between the two of them and as they met for breakfast one day he just got all caught up in that and he asked her if she would marry him and she said yes and the next day they were at the uh, breakfast table and he said I'm sorry I'm kind of embarrassed about this but I know I asked you to marry me uh, yesterday but I can't remember what you said and she said, well, I'm glad you asked me because I knew I said yes to somebody, but I can't remember <laughs> who it was that I said yes to. And I think we have a um, situation where so many said yes at one time to the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet they've kind of drifted away. And they kind of forgot who they said yes to. And it's a dangerous place to be. A very dangerous place to be. Where you're kind of drifting away from the Lord. 
um, a lady came to me one time and asked me, she said, my mother is 93 years old and she's smoking. Uh, should I make her quit smoking? And I said, well, yes, go ahead. Just, you know, 93 and you're still smoking. Just go ahead and leave her alone. Let her smoke her cigarette. And she said, the problem is she keeps lighting her nose. <laughs> and I said, well, you need to do something about that. It's a dangerous place. Something needs to be done. And if this church ever got on fire to see all those people who one time said yes to the Lord, and yet they have drifted away in one direction or another direction, and they've gotten used to where they are. So this writer is intense in bringing back those who are in a drifting mode. Now, in honor of God's word, would you stand as I read for us from Hebrews chapter 11, the first, um, 11, uh, first five chapters. And this is Hebrews that um, is anti-Diluvian. Are you ready for that? So tomorrow when you get in the, um, in the barbershop or you get in the hair place, and they want to know what you preached on. We preached on the antediluvian part of, of Hebrews chapter 11. Okay, you got that? The antediluvian is the time before the flood. So these are examples that the writer of Hebrews gives before the flood. Verse 1, definition of faith. Faith is the substance. That's the King James Version. Uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for. That is, you need to have substance in your faith. You need to have something that will hold you as well as you hold it. So faith has substance. And it is evidence of things not seen. That is, you only see those things in this world through eyes of faith. By this, the elders, that is, I am an elder, by the way, uh, but I got there by faith. <laughs> so elders left a testimony. They received a testimony. This place has had a lot of elders, and they have left their testimony. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. That is the unseen brought the scene by faith. And that's it. He repeats that over and over again. The writer repeats that by faith. There are about eight times I think he, he refrains that faith by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Um, sometimes Susan will talk to me and she'll look for a response. And if she doesn't get a response, she'll say that again. And if she doesn't get a response, She'll say that again. And if she doesn't get a response, she'll say that again. Do any of you husbands know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's a, it's a gift of nag. And women have that kind of gift. They can bring it on, bring it on, until they kind of get a response. Well, this writer just brings it on and brings it on until finally gets a response. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. 
God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead, he yet still speaks. By faith, Enoch, that he should see, he should not see death. Amen. I'd like to follow that route. And was not found because God had translated him. But before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and not only that he exists, but he rewards those who seek him. That's not the word. It's a word in between there. Who diligently seek him. You got to put something into it. May God bless the reading of his word and you may be seated. Now would you uh, just turn back a little bit to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Um, Hebrews chapter 2 uh, verse uh, 1. Okay. And that kind of gives us the condition of the people. It's given in nautical terms. Uh, yesterday I had a funeral for a boat captain. He had his license and he loved the sea. And somehow uh, this writer maybe has been connected to the sea because he uses nautical terms to say therefore. And whenever you have a therefore in scripture, you always need to see what it's there for. We, and he uses this term to include himself in the group. We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Lest at any time we should let them slip away. And that's the word. Slip away. For if the word spoken by angels, and that's angels shared there, was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of war, how shall we escape if we neglect so great of salvation? If I had it to do over again, if I had it to do over again, I would be more faithful to the Lord. And I would be used by him in whatever place he would have me to be. Oh, I wish I had it to do over again. Is a cry of those who had slipped away. One time John Baldwin, who was my minister of music uh, in uh, First Baptist Pharaoh, uh, we received word about a lady whose husband had passed away. And so John and I went out to the house to pray for this lady. And um, she lived outside of Fairhope, so it was in the kind of countryside. And, and we drove down this road, and we drove, um, and the road gave out. And we were in a pasture, and after a while, we were following a path to get there. And so when we, we got there, um, there was this old house that had been had taken the hurricanes and, and the tarpon was on the tarpaulin was on the roof and, and there was a trailer beside it that was hooked up to this uh, electricity that was there but the house had really taken a lot of hits and so when John and I drove up all of a sudden we were surrounded by all these dogs I mean there must have been 300 dogs as far as I counted and uh, I um, stopped the car 
And I was looking eyeball to eyeball to one of the ugliest and meanest dogs I had ever seen in my life. I mean, I wasn't looking down. I was looking eyeball to this dog. And John was over on the other side looking eyeball to the dogs that were over there. So um, I said, now, John, uh, you go in there and pray for this lady, and I'll stay out here in the car and pray for you. That's a preacher's objection. And John got up, and he was about to go. And I said, John, no, we're going together. So it took faith for me to open that car door and step among those dogs. And we walked in the house, and when we walked in the house, I asked them where so-and-so was, and they said, she's in the house on this huge couch that was about had its best day. And those dogs followed us into that house. And they were looking like they hadn't eaten in a couple of weeks. So I saw the lady there, and, and I sat down beside her and, and said, I sure am sorry about your husband, and, and can I pray for you? And she said, okay. And so I prayed for her, but I never closed my eyes. My eyes kept looking at those dogs that were sitting there. But John and I prayed for that family, and the stench that was in that house was so bad I mean, the dogs were there, and they went in and out, and trash was all over the place. But they had gotten so used to the stench that they couldn't even smell it. We smelled it. But there are things sometimes we get used to, and we get so into being used to them that we don't know we're even drifting and we can stay in that drifting mode, which is a dangerous place to be, and just stay there and think that's normal. When God looks at that and says, no, this is not where I want you to be. I got more for you than just drifting. We got a community to win to the Lord. We've got a church to do things to reach people for Jesus Christ. And I don't want you in a drifting mode. And he'll reach out to us from some people and through his word and through prayer. And he'll bring us work to bring us back to ourselves. But the decision always lies with us. Now turn with me to uh, chapter 4, verse 16. Let me tell you how you get out of a drifting mode. You got to pray out of it. That's how you get out of it. If you don't pray, you, you're going to stay in that mode and it's going to carry you to a place that you wish you had never been. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. And the writer's saying, he does this, I like the way he does it. He says, let us. And you'll hear him say that, let us, let us. He puts that in a present tense, which is kind of a, a reaching out to kind of exhort you. Let us. Not only do you need it, but I always need to read that too. Therefore, come boldly into the throne of grace. But Lord, I hadn't been what I should have been. Come boldly. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in that time of need. And when you're in drifting node, you need some need. 
Now, what is a bold faith, a bold prayer that we we pray and we ought to pray? And here's some ideas about a bold prayer that you and I ought to pray. Lord, search me. Lord, search me. And David said that in Psalm 139. Lord, search me. And if there's any wicked way, Father, show it to me. Show me yourself and show me that kind of wicked way. Lord, stretch me. That's another word of a bold prayer. Lord, stretch me. And it comes from Acts chapter 4. They were facing things that were bigger than they were. And Lord, I need a stretching kind of faith that helps me to deal with this moment. Lord, stretch me. Lord, lead me. And that comes from... uh, from Psalm 23. Lead me in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. And then Lord use me. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Lord, Lord use me in your kingdom's work. I don't want to be on the sidelines. When I'm needed to be in, in this work and your work. And what you're doing here. And what you're doing in this community. And what you're doing in this church. Lord use me. Give me a place to be. I think Susan and I, when we first were here in Selma, after we had just gotten married, uh, our church at Central Baptist Church at that time uh, said there's a trailer park out here and there's a, that we need you, if you would, to go and minister that trailer park. So that was my first congregation to eight-year-old boys in my Sunday school class. And I, I read to them about the Holy Spirit, and I said the Holy Spirit came with a gush of wind, and a little boy jumped up and said, I'd go get my kite if it would gush you in. And Susan played the piano, and the only song she knew was, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And we had that song for every, for the offering, for the invitation, for every one of those, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. But Susan and I got to meet those kids and parents and it was one of the greatest times in our life. If you can deal with eight-year-old boys, you can deal with deacons. Amen? I mean, that's, that kind of flows. Lord, use me. It's not maybe a very popular place, but use me. At First Baptist Fair, we have a deaf ministry, and there's a lady that God had a kind of, you'd watch. I love to see that death. In fact, sometimes I'd be preaching, I, they'd sit over here, and I'd be so caught up in their hand jive that they were doing over there that I forgot where I was every now and then. But she didn't know how to do signs, but she felt God's calling to use her to be a part of that deaf man. She learned how to sign language, and I remember the first day down there she worked because God kind of put it on her heart. Use me. That's a bold prayer. And one of the ways you pull out of that slide in the wrong direction is to let God use you in the lives of other people and make a difference. Now, turn with me back to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And look, let's look at the uh, group that's in here. And um, there's a definition of faith, and we read that in verse 1. Faith has substance to it. It's just not jumping off a limb. It has some kind of substance. It's built on God's word. 
And that substance is very strong. But it's things not seen. And you cannot see God working in the right way until you have those eyes of faith. And it's amazing how he appears at so many places. But I want to stop just a minute. This is where I want to stop. And I want to kind of lead you and let you do a bold prayer where you are. So would you buy the Bow your head for just a moment. Would you do that? And those four things that I went through in that bold prayer, let you and God kind of use this moment. So first, as you pray with the Lord right now, would you say, God, search me. God, search me. Where's the place that I'm hiding from you? that I can't hide from you. But I'm hiding it from myself. Would you pray, Lord, stretch me. Stretch my faith so it is not caught up in this drifting away. Stretch my faith that it will be used to be a mountain-moving kind of situation with the faith that I bring to this moment. Lord, lead me. Lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Help me to represent you in my life and in my family, in the business that I'm in, in the place that I'm in. Lord, use me. Lord, use me. Use me in a place that you want me to be. Maybe it's not a glorious place. Maybe it's a humble task. Maybe it's just cleaning up trash in the church. Maybe it's whatever it is. Lord, use me. And I want you to be serious about that. Because when you really pray and say, Lord, use me, I want you to be meaningful about it. And God only hears it from the honesty of our heart. Lord, use me. Father, we are always, we are in your presence here and where two or three are gathered, we thank you for that, for our being together. But we also pray that you, we would pray with that kind of boldness and you would hear our prayer and help us, Father, to feel your presence in those places and help us not to be caught up in the danger of drifting away. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now many of you think this is a short sermon, but we're not going home yet. I know the boat roast is burning. So turn with me back at Hebrews chapter 11. Okay. The definition is given, but also the examples are given. In verse 3, it's through faith that we knew that God spoke it and it came into existence. And I think there are some eight, seven or eight times in Genesis chapter 1 where God said, God said, God said. And whatever God said, it came to pass. The invisible spoke and the visible happened. Something came out of nothing. And scientists are having a hard time answering the question is where does this world begin? And the Bible just calls forth. God said it. 
and it came into being. God spoke it, and it happened. And whenever God made a speech, whenever God spoke something in existence, he always gave an evaluation on it. And he said after he evaluated, it is good. It is good. Because there's nobody else there to give evaluation. But that last part, he said, he looked at the creation, and he looked at those stars which just blow my mind. Blow my mind. When I walk down to the pier and look up at those stars at night, sometimes I see a shooting star and I feel the glory of God. I can feel his creation echoing back the fact that he put it into place. And when he put it into place, it reflects his glory. And you can see the glory of God as a sunrise. And it's there forever. It's his word that put it there and how powerful his word is. I served on the um, trustees of the board at the hospital at, um, here when I think it was Baptist then. I keep changing back between Vaughn and Baptist, I think. But I was about, and there were some good men and women that were on that board, and we would talk bylaws. I think um, hell's a place where you read bylaws. That you just it, you get tired of reading those bylaws. But there were people in there really enjoyed reading bylaws, and I thought there's more to life than then sitting around reading bylaws. But you have to have those; they're necessary evil. And so there are diff- different doctors in that room, and there are some good doctors in there, very wise men. But the one who always spoke was Dr. Cox. How many of you remember Dr. Cox? Do you remember Dr. Cox? He had his glasses right on the end of his nose. And I don't think he ever changed them. I think they stuck there. I, went, I think he went to sleep at night with his glasses on the end of his nose. Very good surgeon, very wise man. And everybody would go around that table and talk about what we're going to do, what we're going to do here. And then Dr. Cox would speak. And whenever Dr. Cox spoke, that's what we did. His word was a deciding factor on that. I don't care what it was. And, you know, no, no sense discussing anymore. Dr. Cox had said this. That's what we're going to do. God spoke. And, it's in it, and he's still speaking today. But the question is, are we listening? God spoke. And the writer of Hebrews is talking to people that need to hear God speaking to their heart. He gives the example of Abel. And if you have uh, your Bible, look at verse 4, by faith Abel. And you remember Abel was the younger brother, Cain was the older brother. And you could go back to uh, Genesis chapter 4 and you can read the story of Cain and Abel and how uh, Abel brought the best that he had. He didn't, he didn't bring just anything. He brought the best that he had for a sacrifice to God. God had closed the door because of sin, but he could still be approached through the sacrificial system. And Abel came and brought the very best that he had of the sheep. And uh, Cain brought just something. He brought just what he had. And they both went to the altar to sacrifice. Isn't that, isn't that something that worship became a place where there was kind of tension and hurt and vengeance. And sometimes that so happens, and the reason is because it's so crucial. 
So God had favor on Abel's sacrifice and not Cain. Tradition said that he showed his favor by having a fire come from heaven just like it did with Elijah and consume that offering. But it made Abel mad, and Abel, and, I, and it must have been a business meeting. You ever been in a Baptist business meeting? That kind of thing goes on. And it made him mad, and so God says uh, there's sin crouching at your door, ready to consume you, Cain. But Cain didn't listen, and he killed his brother. But here's the point. Though being dead... He still speaks. Though being dead, his faith goes from generation to generation to generation and generation. And I have put people in their graves, but their families keep hearing their voice and live their life of a life of faith and the power of a life of faith it speaks beyond the grave. person I think about in this church is Miss Taylor. I thank God for what a godly lady she was and how her faith was so strong and how she taught Susan and as they were girls in that class. And I hear people from that class about her teaching and because she had a life that backed up her teaching. It wasn't words that were said here and a life diff- lived different here. It was words that had back um, a life that backed up that testimony and how powerful her testimony was. When her daughter died, I did the funeral, and it was a hard thing. She had seen her first husband get killed in World War II, and she, had, she was pregnant with Ned at that time. And she went through that with God's help. And then God brought Mr. Taylor into her life. And then all of a sudden they had this daughter. And her daughter had taken a prescription at a drugstore and, um, and had a reaction to it. And she died right there at the drugstore. And I went and had prayer with her. And this was what her response was. The Lord gives... And the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that testimony still lives in my heart. And her testimony lives in so many lives that have been touched. She has passed away and she's gone on to be with the Lord. But the faith example that she left behind is still touching life. Abel might be dead, but he left the testimony. You want to have that kind of testimony upon generations that come after you. So by faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. And it says if you were to turn and you look at Genesis chapter 5, you would see the reverberating theme that is in Genesis. It's one of the worst chapters in all the Bible. And he died. And he died. And he died. And he died. There was only one person that's that's not said about him. And that's Enoch. And it says that Enoch walked with God. He didn't walk behind him. Didn't walk in front of him. But he walked with God. 
Now, all of us want to go to heaven, but none of us want to die. Amen? Have you got, can you handle that? One of the best places for Susan and I to go is go down to the beach. We like to hold hands and walk down the beach. And that time together is a special kind of time. Enoch had that kind of time with the Lord. He walked with the Lord. Maybe it's down a country road. Maybe it's in his study. Maybe where, wherever it was, he walked with God. And he had this memorial to him. And if you don't have that underlined in your Bible, I hope you will underline it. This was what was said about it. He pleased God. Can anything better be said about anybody? Because if you don't please God, it doesn't matter who you please. He pleased God. I want that as my testimony. Jerry Henry pleased God. Now here's two examples of his given faith. And he said, you cannot please God. It's impossible to please God without faith. Can't do it. You got to believe that he is. You got to believe that you trust him. And here's some kind of points of what faith is. Faith gives you eyes to see so that you see the world through a different kind of perspective. You find God in moments when nobody else seems to find him. He gives you not only eyes to see, but he gives you a trust. And that's what the word pistua it's a Greek word that has been translated believe, but what it means is you trust God. Whatever life throws at you, whatever that is, that matter that life throws at you, you trust him. And you're convinced that you can trust him even when you get to the point where you take the last breath in this life. Faith trusts God, but faith has the courage to act. And even if it's against all odds, even if you're the only person in your high school, it acts. It shows God some. Whatever God puts on your heart, you act out of that. You have the courage to act. And faith always has the courage to act. You did that. And there's so many. David, he went after the giant when Saul backed down because he had the courage to act. And in faith, has a hope of endurance. It lasts, and it lasts, and it lasts, and it lasts, and it doesn't quit. Faith. How is your faith this morning? If you have a hymn book, would you turn with me, and I want to uh, look at that, let that be our kind of invitation this morning to 622. Hymn number 622. It's a song written by B.B. McKinney and Dr. Gomes and I um, were at the seminary, not when he was there, but we were in the best seminary in the world. Isn't that right, Jerry? Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. B.B. McKinney was in the music department. He had the ability to put words to places in life. And this is what his words are. I am satisfied with Jesus. He has done so much for me. He has suffered to redeem me. He has died to set me free. 
I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied with Jesus. But the question comes to me as I think of Calvary. Is my master satisfied with me? As we sing that, use that to be a heart question for you today. Would you bow your heads and then we'll have our invitation. Father, touch our hearts. Speak to us where we need to hear. There are some in that drifting mode and it's a dangerous place to be because it always has regrets. But help us to pray for them and pull them back and see them take their place again in this church where they ought to be. I thank you for the ones that are here. And bless us to be used by you to make a difference in our community. As we sing this song, let it be personal to each one of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now would you stand as Jeff comes to lead us.